0: Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith. We recorded this TV special on the first TV just the other day. We wanted to put it here. It's about Kamala Harris, President Kamala Harris, what that would, what that would look like. Uh, three really good guests to talk about her and just be prepared. This, this idea hit me near the end. Um, and I want to do more research on this and so I can speak to it better than I, I just gave it a quick little mention at the end. But I was reminded of the book of Judges where it just kept getting worse. It just, you know it clicked it? It was when John Phillips, one of our guests from KABC, said, uh, we get the government we deserve. And I think that's right. I think that's right. That's true. I think we get the immigration system we deserve. I, I, like, this is all... So, that's true with Judges, too, the book of Judges. They just kept getting worse. And you, you like, if you were living in one, you're like, oh, it can't get worse than this. And then it did. That could potentially happen in our country, too, until we get our act together. Anyway, I'll... I'll Put some better thoughts together. Uh, and maybe you can come to the same or, or a conclusion after you you listen to this special as well. Or if you can find another biblical reference, I'd love to hear it as well. Slater at Breitbart.com. Well, Slater, let's do Slater Radio at gmail.com. It's my personal email, Slater Radio at gmail.com. Here is our special uh, president, Kamala Harris. <laughs> Hey, America's the greatest country in the world. Welcome to our latest special, President Kamala Harris, question mark. We did a special the other day on Michelle Obama potentially being president. It was hilarious. The whole special was just a blast. Thefirsttv.com slash Obama. And you can become a supporter and uh, watch that one. But one of the themes, as we were talking with these three historians about Michelle Obama, is that if Michelle wants to get to the White House, she has to get through Kamala first. So, of course, we have to talk about Kamala. Which one's more likely, by the way, right? Michelle Obama, yeah, like she's more loved amongst Democrats. She's not in the White House right now. Kamala's right there. A heartbeat away, as they say, and anything could happen, something could happen to, to old Joe, where he just can't go on. I mean, right now, he can barely go on, right? But he's going. But if he can't, Kamala's right there. If if Joe's incapacitated and the White House can't hide it, the Democrats can't be like, well, um, let's just skip over Kamala and go to Michelle. Like, that's that's not how that works. It goes right to Kamala. Now, maybe they can plan a coup after that, surely, but at least in the meantime, she would be the president. Uh, One thing we're going to talk about today, and I believe this is the case, and we'll find out from our three expert guests who know her very well, uh, she may be an idiot, but she is shrewd. No matter how many affirmative action points you may have, you don't trip and fall into the vice presidency. So we'll talk a little later about her ambition and what she did to get into the ranks and up the ranks as well. Real quick, I called her an idiot. I know that's not, that's not nice. Come on, Slater, don't call people idiots. You're right. I'm sorry. Let's 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 listen to some of some of the vice president's greatest moments.
1: Wherever you download your favorite podcasts,
2: I have been fortunate and blessed to, during the course of being vice president. Have many situations where it becomes clear to me that there are, you know, people of every age and, and gender. By the way, who see something about being the first that lets them know they don't need to be um, limited by other people's limited um, understanding of who can do what. So you're right, we have a lot of accomplishments, and I think what the American people want most in their leaders is that we actually get things done, and we have done it. We haven't taken adequate credit for it, frankly. But the brilliance of this inaugural class and its leaders is the ability to see what can be, unburdened by what has been, and then to make it real. Well, as I said, that we have to revitalize the Palestinian Authority. And let us all agree, one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held beliefs to agree the government should not be telling her what to do with her body. Anyone who is 18 today, they were born in 2005. Indeed, yes, wow. Innovation is about our ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been well the press is here (laughs) i got some words i got the vocabulary and my pronunciation is perfect (laughs) i love venn diagrams (laughs) i really do the three circles you know and then they overlap and so i venn diagrams can help you you sort through i'm I'm just kind of an undercover geek
0: (laughs) The clip of... Uh, there's like a 20-minute montage out there of her. It's doing, uh, uh, What can be unburdened by what has been? That's one of her favorite lines. If you take some of her, favorite, her best quotes and you put it into uh, chat GPT, right, so my, my, my friends and I, we were texting about Kamala Harris not being very sharp, and he put her quotes into chat, chat GTP as like a prompt to see what pictures artificial intelligence makes of her quotes so here here, here's one example
2: there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires what we need to do to create these jobs and there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children
0: i love that so that's how artificial intelligence interprets interprets her quote. Here's another one.
2: So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong.
0: That's our vice president. So how do we get here? So we got a couple uh, great guests coming up uh, on the show here that will talk about the rise and eventual fall of Kamala. But I think it's important for us to know the moment when Kamala became vice president. Keep in mind, she was from California. So Joe Biden didn't pick her because she brought like any delegates from a swing state. She was polling zero everywhere. So she brought no supporters. She brought no delegates. She had no support with her. There's nothing, there's no benefit in any way politically until she decided to go crazy during one of the debates and she played the one card that she has to play. And here it was.
2: And I will say also that, that in this campaign, we've also heard, and I'm gonna now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. You also worked with them to oppose busing, and, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day, and that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. Senator Harris, thank you. Vice President Biden, you have been invoked.
0: We are going to give you a chance to respond. And that little girl was me. That was the moment, that was it. By the way, Joe looked pretty good back in 2020. Do we have a freeze frame of Joe? Like, that was Joe four years ago. Like, yeah, all right. Like, like, you, like you, you wouldn't look at that and be like, oh, man, that guy's got to go. You look at him now? Jeez. All right, but listen, how absurd to bring up something from the 60s in a debate, but that's all race baiters know how to do. Joe does it whenever a state wants voter ID. He calls it Jim Crow 2.0, right? All they can do is go back and evoke slavery and civil rights. It's all they have. So it made sense. That's what Kamala did as well. Now, it's true. She indeed did ride a bus to school. She went to Berkeley Public School system. We'll talk about this a little later. Uh, she was in elementary school and she was bussed in the second year of the busing program. But it was Berkeley, California. There was only one high school, so it was by its very nature not segregated, but there were different local elementary schools in different communities that weren't segregated as much as just were just different. So There's nothing inherently wrong about anything that, that happened. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is, Well, I look forward to talking to our guest about Kamala's childhood, right? We can find out if Kamala had the same experience as Michelle Obama did in Chicago. Michelle Obama was black, but she hung out with the white kids by choice. She was made fun of by black kids as an Oreo. Black on the outside, white on the inside. So she didn't have anything to do with the black community in Chicago. I was curious to see what Kamala's childhood was like. Her mom was from India. Her dad was... Jamaican. We don't need to go into a whole thing about the school busing program in the 60s and 70s. The point is Kamala will do anything to play the race card. It's the only one she has. It's the only reason she's vice president. That's it. You've
1: worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated US-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25%
0: off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Now, it's gonna be very difficult, therefore, for anyone to push her aside if Joe Biden can't go on. If you try to push Kamala aside, you're gonna get this Kamala.
2: Do you agree today That you were wrong to oppose busing in America then. Do you agree?
3: I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department of Education.
2: That's why we need to pass the ERA, because that, there are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of I all the people. I have supported
4: the ERA from the very beginning. When I ran to 30 seconds, because I want to bring other people into this. I supported the ERA from the imagine. very beginning.
3: I'm the guy that extended the Voting Rights Act for 25 years.
0: Again, Joe, Joe looks good back then. All um, right, imagine that feisty Kamala coming after anyone who has the knives out to take her down. Uh, from her right, from her right, she believes rightful spot to be president next. The Democrats have a massive Kamala problem. And certainly if Biden wins, then she'll 100% be president, right? Sometime in the next four years, five years, right? There's no question about that. Uh, But we'll make sure he doesn't win this next election. But forget about the next four years. Even just in this next year, there's a a significant, pretty high chance that she's president sometime in the next few months. And it could happen at a moment's notice. So we need to be on this, right? Joe, something happens to Joe and it is just boom, Kamala's president immediately. We need to be way ahead of the game on who this person is. That's our special today. Who is Kamala Harris? Right here on The First TV. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by the Patriot Gold Group. So the Fed, everyone thought the Fed was going to cut rates a couple times before the election, certainly in March. And that just ain't happening. uh, 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 I said abortion. Inflation is, well, abortion's high too, but inflation is too high for that. So that's why J.P. Morgan and UBS are calling for a 23% drop in the S&P. So listen, it's not, either you think Bidenomics is working or you're buying gold. Patriot Gold Group. These guys are the best. I'm not going to tell you about an okay gold group. This is the best. Patriot Gold Group. Best in class service. No fee for life IRA. With your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver. You can have just physical gold. They just, like, give it to you. Like, they mail it to you. FedEx will deliver packages. of gold in it. It's unbelievable. 888-617-6122. It feels illegal. It was illegal for a while. <laughs> for a certain time, it was illegal. Maybe again one day. 888-617-6122 for that free investor's guide. And Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer seven years in a row. Come on. Patriotgoldgroup.com. Hey, welcome back to our special right here on The First TV, President Kamala Harris. It could happen at a moment's notice. And I want us to be up on who this person really is. Right? Everyone else has some vision of Kamala, but we need to know really who she is. So we have wonderful guests today. We'll start off with Charlie Spearing, author of the book of Kamala Harris, Amateur Hour, Kamala Harris in the White House. Charlie, how you doing, Brian?
3: Hey, hey, Mike, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, good to talk to you. So we, we actually kicked off in our monologue. We played the whole uh, moment from the debate, when she became the vice president, when she did the whole, that girl was me, routine. So take us back to that girl. Who was that girl when she was a little girl, Kamala Harris?
3: Yeah, Mike, the, that's kind of why the attack kind of bounced off because it didn't really make much sense that somehow a little girl living in Berkeley, California was suffering from you know a very a very difficult period of time growing up as a you know as a girl who was, you know half Jamaican and, and half Asian. Um, you know, so it, it didn't really sort of swing with the idea that somehow she was a victim of the deeply segregated society of Berkeley, California. But anyway, <laughs> it, it was definitely something she was trying to sell on the debate stage. And she had actually done this attack before when I was researching a, a lot of this, she tried to util- utilize this attack during the Kavanaugh hearings. And it was very surprising to hear very much the same rhetoric being used at that time.
0: Or what did she say
3: then? Uh, the very same kind of argument was that, you know, if we are considering someone on the Supreme Court, this is very important because if it hadn't been for X or Y decision, then I might not have been able to ride a school bus as a little girl, you know, and, and I might oh, not be it. a United States senator. It kind of was, kind of widely was, you know, dismissed at the time. It was an obvious ploy at the time, and it didn't have much to do with, uh, brett kavanaugh's qualifications but it was very fascinating to see that same ri- attack being recycled for the 2020 oh, primary the, debate against joe biden
0: you mean you mean the race card surely um tell us <laughs> the about famous i don't you think you're a one... racist
3: but you are a racist
0: well yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> one uh one parent from india and the other from jamaica what do we know about these two people
3: well, they both met at Berkeley, and even though Kamala likes to talk about how they were, you know, marching and shouting for justice, these these two people were not necessarily protesters first, right? They were very more academic. Kamala's father was uh, a very good speaker, was a teacher. He was the he was one of these leaders in this sort of Black study group, the, the Afro-American study group in Berkeley. And this was kind of a very radical intellectually Marxist group and uh, they, you know, met former members of the group sort of talked about how they, you know, idolized people like Fidel Castro and, and Chairman Mao from, from China. And so this was kind of the intellectual backing background that her family was steeped in before they sort of emerged eventually to become more practical, um, more practical people, and of course they, they uh, ultimately divorced when she was, I think they ultimately separated at, and divorced when she was seven years old.
0: Okay. So I wonder how much of, her, of his Marxist background and Marxist philosophy and teaching influenced her as a child. Did they have much engagement together when she was young?
2: Yeah,
3: there's. They spent some time together, but the the majority of her time was spent with her mother, who was kind of a little more no nonsense, a little more practical. Um, as a single mother, she you know didn't have very much time for any you know deep seated Marxist theory. Where while well, her father was sort of a you know described in in, I think he taught at Stanford, he was described as a Marxist scholar, someone who was very charismatic and who had, so she would have had a little more of an intellectual underpinning to sort of understand where, where she stood on these issues. But I think ultimately that she kind of turned aside from that sort of more fundamental um, Marxist ideas and philosophy to something a little more practical.
0: How did she, when she was younger, before she maybe used it to her political advantage. But how did she view her race? We talked the other day about, we did a special on Michelle Obama, and the historians we had on said that she had nothing to do with the black community in Chicago. They call her an Oreo, black on the outside, white on the inside. She did everything she could to avoid going to the local black school, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So that was her racial upbringing. What was Kamala's?
3: Well, Kamala was you know, half Jamaican, half Indian, and certainly she kind of was happy to sort of straddle both sides as she was running for office in, in this time. But you see after she starts running nationally, how she really tries to bring forward a little more of a black Southern identity. This is when she starts talking about her second mother. Um, this is a, a woman who lived close to them and took care of them while their mother was at work. Um the second mother is is was a little more connected with the the Christian South and the and the black church. And so she'll talk about how she used to sing in the choir, and how this this woman would take her to go sing in the black choir, and she grew up kind of having this deep understanding of you know, the food and the culture of the Black South, even though it was not necessarily true, but it's certainly something she emphasized more and more as she moved her, uh, brand more nationally
0: Hmm. we uh, talked also the other day with Michelle about her memoir uh, and how it's just a constructed political creation Uh, what have you learned from Kamala's memoir the truths we hold
3: yeah Kamala's memoir is very focused on her sort of you know she, she one of her favorite quotes is her mother saying don't tell you no, know, don't let other people tell your story. You tell your story, and Kamala's very good at that. Sort of telling exactly how she wants to be seen instead of the actual truth. There's no mention of Willie Brown, for example, in in Kamala's merit, m- memoir, even though she, he had a very fundamental role in his in her early political and and social career. So, it's it's very interesting. It's 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 pretty canned. There's only a few like true honest moments. She always talks about how. Uh, she used to march and protesting with her parents, marching and shouting, and how she, you know, at one point she fell out of her stroller. <laughs> Tells this funny story oh, right. about how, you know, she got left behind, or she fell out of her stroller, her parents left her behind, and when and when her mother came back to, to find her, she said, what do you want? And she famously, according to Kamala, she famously said, freedom, which was kind of, which immediately drew some skeptical audiences because the story was sort of exactly the same as as one shared by martin luther king in a magazine old magazine article so there was definitely a lot of skepticism like is is Kamala just making this up is this plagiarized from martin luther king or did this actually happen funny thing the first time she told that story about falling out of her stroller was in a magazine article And then later when she gives her speech for vice president, she talks about herself being always strapped tightly in the stroller. So it's kind of one of these shifting detail stories that typically happens with politicians as the years go on. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, of course, of course. When you were researching Kamala, what was something that was was surprising to
3: you? Well, what's interesting is she moved from Berkeley to Montreal, Canada, and that's sort of where she became even more distant from sort of the American culture. She was more steeped in sort of semi-wealthy Montreal. And she spent most of her high school years in Montreal and, and kind of experienced America through a slightly different lens. And and you know she grew up in a pretty wealthy neighborhood in Montreal. Her mom had a pretty solid position and made making a good deal of money. So she really, when she got back to the states, she was really kind of distant from any sort of experience from most Black Americans or most you know in the South and certainly a lot of Black Americans in, in the rest of the world. I I talked and listened to. A lot of black activists who you know actively you know could not identify with Kamala Harris because of her her different upbringing
0: how old was she when she was in Canada
3: I think she was in high school mostly and so she spent a good yeah. good time of her formative years uh, growing up in Canada that's
0: absolutely wow that that is a that is different that is dramatic that's very very important um, my last question for you Charlie and I want to encourage everyone to go read the book um, what would be your biggest concern if we had a president kamala harris even if it was just for you know a couple months or what what's your concern
3: yeah i think that when i was doing the research of the book what strikes me the most is her ability to be sort of unmoored from principles she's very ambitious she'll talk from both sides of an issue she'll change her opinion on issues very easily and very rapidly no fundamental in- intellectual underpinnings she just kind of has this very craven desire for power. She wants to be the next Barack Obama. She wants to be the next political f- inspirational figure. Um, and that's sort of what drove her to f- to run in 2020. And ultimately that campaign was a flop. Once voters saw who she really was, how she didn't necessarily have a plan or a message or something that she wanted to really encourage Americans beyond her own sort of craven desire for power, I think that's when they ultimately turned on her and, and looked towards other people. If Kamala Harris becomes yeah. president, she'll be very vengeful and she'll be she's very upset with the, the Biden team. They, she feels like she's been mistreated by them. And so I think that there's gonna be a lot of house cleaning in the, in the upper echelons of the West Wing if she does take power. And certainly you're going to have somebody who's just out there absolutely um, ready to wield whatever power the presidency has to, you know, a punish her enemies and reward her friends.
0: I think go about 30 seconds. But do you do you think she has the chops to follow through on said ambition and desire for power? Does she intellectually have the ability?
3: Well, she first has to learn how to connect with audiences and speak in a way that that inspires people that's the number one job of the president is to inspire the american people and move them towards a higher goal a higher purpose right now her vice presidency is rife with examples of word salads missed opportunities and and failed attempts to communicate So she either has to figure that out and sort of reassert herself, remake herself. She's already tried to do several reboots, but I think the emerging Kamala Harris that people have in their minds is someone who's incompetent, and that's sort of why I wrote the book Amateur Hour in the beginning. Yeah, that's
0: right. Charlie Spearing, Amateur Hour, Kamala Harris in the White House. Charlie, great to talk to you, appreciate it.
3: You bet, Mike, thanks for having me.
0: Amen. We focus mostly there on her childhood. Our next two guests will talk more about her California career, and then her uh, more recent DC career. It's coming up next, right here on the First TV.
2: The people who know my work um, are incredibly supportive.
0: Mm, our next guest knows her work, all right. Congressman Kevin Kiley, uh, but he was a state assemblyman for a long time in Sacramento. Kevin, how you doing, brother?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Really good. As someone who knows Kamala and her work very well, if she were to become president one day, it could happen at a moment's notice. What would be your message? You're the expert. You're the California guy. You know what's your message to the country?
1: Well, take a look at San Francisco right now. I mean, this is where Kamala Harris comes from, and is that what you want for the entire country? This is a city that is literally uh, collapsing before our very eyes. Uh, you know. Macy's closed its flagship store in downtown San Francisco. It's a new business pulling out every day. More people are leaving. They're leaving at a faster pace than any major city in U.S. history, faster than even Detroit, when it went bankrupt. And so Kamala Harris is sort of the personification of this very troubling trend in our country for San Francisco's failures to become California's failures. She went from the DA in San Francisco to the attorney general in California, and now increasingly for those failures to metastasize uh, and engulf the entire country. And so the prospect of her or, frankly, Gavin Newsom, who followed that same trajectory, San Francisco's mayor, governor of the state, of course, isn't making any secret about uh, his sort of national uh, ambitions. Um, I think that uh, what has happened in San Francisco, and in California, uh, largely due to the failed policies of Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris, is a warning to the rest of the country, and we cannot continue to go down Absolutely. that path.
0: What is her worldview that would leave such chaos in her wake?
1: Well, I think it's you know uh, endemic uh, or emblematic of the uh, just radicalism and corruption uh, that has come to characterize politics in our state and in particular uh, in San Francisco. Uh, I mean, if you look at the policies that she enforced uh, or that she uh, promoted uh, when she was attorney general, uh, she was the attorney general right after Prop 47 uh, passed in California, uh, which has you know led to this epidemic of retail theft. Uh, throughout our state. And then she also, as Attorney General, by the way, uh, used her authority over ballot propositions to mislead voters. So even if voters wanted to try to change something that was happening in the state and put something on the ballot, she would uh, twist the language of it so people wouldn't know what they were actually voting on. So it's this combination of radicalism uh, and corruption uh, that is responsible for turning our beautiful state, greatest state in the country, in my opinion, into the most popular state to to leave behind and that is absolutely not what we want for the entire country.
0: Just to put a bow on that, the Prop. Forty-seven, which was the you can steal anything under nine hundred and fifty dollars, whatever. That was called the Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act. So that was that Kamala who did that as a as Attorney General.
1: Well, she was yes responsible for writing the official ballot language, and even you know uh, newspapers like the Sacramento Bee uh, and uh, pretty left leaning editorial boards uh, called her out were using language that was even poll tested uh, to get the outcome uh, that they want at the polls. So any sort of reform or anything wow. that people wanted to do that would actually lead the state in the right direction. She'd twist the language that you actually looked at when you win the, bat- the voting booth vote in order to get the outcome uh, that she wanted. It's just one of many ways in which, you know, the, the system in California uh, has become very difficult to uh, turn around because the deck is so stacked in one, ba- in, in one direction.
0: Yeah. So you guys worked, you were in Sacramento as a state assemblyman when she was attorney general, you guys had crossover there. What were people saying about Kamala then? Well, I don't think she ever
1: had a particularly uh, sterling reputation. I mean, if you look at when she was first elected attorney general, that was the closest race we've had statewide in California uh, at all. You know, any time in, in recent history. In fact, her opponent gave a victory speech on election night because he thought he'd won. That's how close the race wow. was. So even at that stage of her career, Uh, Folks were looking at what she had done uh, in her tenure uh, in San Francisco. We're looking at what has happened to San Francisco, the way that, you know, crime is just absolutely out of control there. And it's gotten much, much worse since And saying we don't want anything to do with that.
0: Much has been said. We played some of Kamala's clips earlier where she makes no sense at all, just says words. Uh, Is Kamala stupid? Is she not smart? How do you characterize her?
1: I'll I'll leave, you know, those sort of characterizations to other people. But what we know is that her policies uh, make absolutely no sense at all. I mean, look at what uh, has happened at the border. She was supposedly uh, the border czar for this White House, right, Uh, and then refused to even go there. And we've seen, uh, you know, something that we've never seen before in the history of our country in terms of records being set every single day and every single month in terms of the number of folks crossing the border illegally. And so, you know, what's truly frightening about this is that, you know, we have both her and Gavin Newsom potentially waiting in the wings. Uh, And frankly, I think though, that would be an absolute disaster uh, for their party that either one of them uh, would not stand up to scrutiny if people looked at their record, looked at what's happened to California, looked at what's happened to San Francisco specifically, where both of them and Nancy Pelosi, by the way, uh, come from. And it is the perfect case study in the absolute failure of these very radical out-of-the-mainstream uh, policies and politics.
0: That really is remarkable. Those three names you mentioned, that they all come out of the same Petri dish, uh, way on the way in one, one little particular place, uh, far away, and, and, and have so much power today. It's really unbelievable. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot with this, and it's okay if you forget it, uh, because I vaguely forget it too, but it's important, I think. Um, do you remember when there was the Planned Parenthood undercover videos uh, years back? and uh, you know, the videos of people saying, we're just selling the body parts and stuff like that. She was the attorney general at the time. Didn't she go after the guy who did the undercover videos as opposed to anything with Planned Parenthood? Do you remember that?
1: Well, there are a number of ways in which, yes, she used her authority in ways that were not directed at actually protecting Californians. She was the number one law enforcement officer Uh, in California, um, but rather, uh, you know, in terms of serving her own political agenda. So I don't remember the details of that specific case, uh, but that very much was her, uh, you know, her approach to her job was how does she use this position to advance her political agenda, advance her own personal self-promotion. She ended up leaving that job in the middle of her term to become a U.S. senator, to run for Mm -hmm. the U.S. Senate. Uh, At the same time, public safety in California uh, has fallen apart. Uh, Support for law enforcement uh, has fallen apart. Crime has spun out of control. uh, And uh, you can draw a direct line between the policies that she promoted uh, from the beginning of her career up until the present day.
0: All right, you have such an important role in Congress of being like the warning cry from California, like, hey, everyone, <laughs> just just so you know, rest of the country, what's going on? Uh, my last question for you. You are in D.C. now. Um, what are, are people saying anything about the potentiality? Holy jeez. What if if uh, Joe Biden, something happens and Kamala is the president? What do we do then? Are, are people even talking about that or they don't even want to manifest it out loud? No,
1: I mean, I think that it's something that's absolutely on folks' minds. Uh, I mean, he, she herself even said she's ready to become uh, president. Uh, and it's something that always needs to be asked of the vice president, that, uh, the person who's, who's next in line for the presidency. Uh, but obviously, you know, in, in the present circumstance, uh, it, it's a question of, of all the more salience. Uh, and the fact that we have a person who is, dramatically unpopular uh, across the entire country has shown a very limited capacity uh, for national leadership and whose uh, results in her home state of California and home city of San Francisco uh, have done such an incredible amount of damage. Uh, It's something that's very much on people's minds, absolutely.
0: Yeah, the proof proof is right there. Former assemblyman in Sacramento, now Congressman uh, Kevin Kiley. Kevin, great to talk to you, man. Appreciate it.
1: Likewise. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Coming up next, we have John Phillips. Real quick on that Planned Parenthood. You, you remember that story, right? With did the undercover, undercover videos with the Planned Parenthood executives and everything. Kamala Harris was the attorney general at the time. And instead of doing anything about those people clearly breaking the law, she ordered the raid of the house of the guy who did the undercover uh, v- v- videos. And she coordinated, illegally coordinated with people at Planned Parenthood to write legislation, or maybe another, maybe it was a ballot initiative too, um, in favor of Planned Parenthood, in favor of abortion and against, uh, well, in that case, babies. But that's how she used her power, of course, to protect Planned Parenthood. John Phillips from KBC coming up next. Mike Slater, The First TV, spread the word. <laughs>
1: What do you say to those concerns, specifically, if he had to pass the powers to you for one second, one minute, heaven forbid? And you know, I ask with all due respect, mm-hmm. but you know, would you? Are you capable? Are you ready to step into the role and do whatever the I country would need?
2: Absolutely ready. But thank God, our president is in good shape and good health, and is ready to lead in our second term.
0: I love that question. Are you capable? The great John Phillips, host of the John Phillips Show on KABC. John, let me throw that question to you: Is Kamala capable? of being president?
4: Well, you know, they say that you get the government that you deserve. And if we end up with Kamala Harris as president, I would love to know who pissed God off. Did the Aztecs not sacrifice enough virgins? Is it something that we did? I don't know. But if we end up with this woman in the White House, it's gonna be like watching a drunk man drive driving down an icy road. Because if there is anyone <laughs> that is not ready for primetime, it is this woman. She's not ready for primetime. She's not ready for daytime. She's not ready for mornings. If this woman gets in the White House, let me tell you, <laughs> Katie, barred the door, because we're all in trouble.
0: How did she get there then? You don't trip and fall to the vice presidency, John.
4: Well, part of it is is that she comes from California. We are a one-party state so whoever the democrat is who's nominated for whatever office whether it's the district attorney for san francisco the attorney general of california u.s senate whatever the case may be you're gonna win because you're such a heavy favorite and because of that these politicians that come from our state they don't have the battle scars they they've never really been tested There's not a media that is looking at their performance critically. The media writes these puff profile pieces about, oh, she's the first Asian woman or the first black woman for this job or that job. But they're not critical of her performance as attorney general or as district attorney. And because of that, all of her her problems, all of her um, inefficiencies that would have been public and would have been you know, talked about extensively in the newspapers if she came from any other place, they haven't been uncovered. So my guess is, is that Joe Biden went into this decision when he picked his vice president, not knowing a lot of her deficiencies. And you look at the problem children in the Biden administration, so many of them come from California because these same rules apply. Look at Javier Becerra, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Um, You know, Susan Rice was just quoted talking about what a moron he is. Look at Eric Garcetti, the ambassador to India, and all the problems that he created. The problem children in this administration come from California because they haven't been vetted.
0: Yeah, and that we we maybe could have Gavin come out of that as well. I'm sure the same applies. So when we talked about Joe Biden, and I agree with Alex Marlowe from Breitbart, editor-in-chief, on the analysis of Joe Biden, that he's not, yeah, maybe he has some gaffes here and there, but he's not an idiot. Like he knows what he's doing. Uh, But what, what do you say with Kamala? Like, how do you describe her? Like we've played in the opening set, we played of course clips of her sounding like an idiot,
4: but is she? I don't think she's dumb, but what she is, is she's someone who grew up always getting the trophy. Everything that she does, everything that she says, it's, oh, you're so profound. Oh, that's such a great thing that you did, that you said. It's just so wonderful. And if you notice when she talks, she uses a lot of words to say nothing. And she just kind of devolves into this word salad that you kind of started out with one topic and you ended up going down this meandering road where she never really makes a point. Um, That's something that she does quite frequently And it's because she has this, I think she's not comfortable in her own skin fundamentally. And she doesn't know what the right answer is. And she knows that politically, if you're talking about, let's say the border, that was one of the subjects that they put her in charge of uh, initially. And it went from her being in charge of the border to her visiting Central America to talk about the root causes. And when she starts talking about the root causes, it sounds like this junior college philosophy class because she didn't want to be blamed for the chaos at the border. She was didn't have the skills. She didn't have the ability to fix that problem. Certainly, the administration wouldn't give her uh, the green light if she needed to do what she had to do to shut the border down. But because, again, hasn't been vetted. They don't know much about her. Oh, she comes from a border state. Oh, she comes from law enforcement. It seems like a reasonable mm-hmm. thing to put in charge of. She'll be fine. And then they put her in charge of it and it's crash and burn and now she's spending all of her time saying i was never in charge of the border don't blame me for the border i was just there to investigate the root causes
0: yes and and to back to your point to- on we get the government we deserve there's something about us americans where if we ask a politician a question if they just talk for 60 seconds we feel like that's sufficient. And like that was some answer just because you said words for 60 seconds. We don't demand more of almost any of our politicians. You mentioned briefly her time as attorney general, et cetera. What do we need to know about that period? You you and I were both in California when she was. uh, How'd that go?
4: Well, Kamala Harris is one of these politicians that is whatever she has to be in whatever moment she's in. When she was district attorney of San Francisco, she ran against a guy uh, by the name of hal And this was pre Soros district attorneys, but he was essentially a Soros district attorney. He was in the mold of a George Gascon or an Alvin Bragg. And she ran to the right of him. She ran as the pro law enforcement candidate. So if you were to talk to people in San Francisco at that time, they would tell you that she was a conservative Democrat. Then she runs for attorney general of California back when the state was a little bit more purple than it is today. And she ran against Steve Cooley, who was the district attorney from Los Angeles County, the most populated county in all of California. One out of four people lived there. And he had a very good reputation, has a very good reputation. And that was a competitive race. And she ran as being a tough on crime Democrat. Now, when she got there and she realized that the gravitational pull in the state was moving to the left, she moved to the left right along with all of the other Democrats. And then when she ran for, for U.S. Senate, she ran against another Democrat, Loretta Sanchez, who was a Orange County congresswoman and a blue dog Democrat. And Kamala Harris ran to the left of Loretta Sanchez. So picture her in a, in a, in a, in a river where she's in the paddleboard, a little to the left, a little to the right, whatever it is that she has to do to get where she's going. That's what she does. And that makes her dangerous, okay. by the way, because I don't really even know what her personal politics are. I know she believes in the accumulation of power, but if she were to be in the White House as president of the United States, I couldn't tell you what she would do because I don't think she knows what she would do. The accumulation yeah. of power for her is the goal. Yeah,
0: because who, who are you running against at that point, right? There's no like relative basis to go to the left or right of. Uh, you're the president. Um, Okay, now some would say that that's true about Trump too, right? There was that characterization that he doesn't have any principles either and he just does whatever. Do you find that to be true?
4: Well, Trump is a businessman and the business of business is doing business. So you have to cut deals and you have to compromise and you have to get things done. And and so certainly in Donald Trump's life, he was a Democrat when he started out, but he came from New York where everyone was a Democrat. So you want Mm -hmm. to have access to the people in power I guess that's what you had to do. Ronald Reagan at one point in time was a Democrat when he was an actor and president of the Screen Actors Guild, because politically speaking, that's that's where those people were. With Trump though, there's there's been a consistent populist streak to him. You go back and you look at his interviews in the 1980s, it was Japan he yeah. was complaining yeah. about then eating our lunch and not China, but it was always sort of the same sort of program. It was always the same tone. It was always him complaining about the same things. There was a through line that you can see. With Kamala Harris, you don't have that through line.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, We got about 60 seconds. Uh, You've done this before for me, but uh, if you can do it again, because you know more than anyone being in California as long as you have, who are the people behind her and why do we need to know them? Why does it matter to us?
4: Who are the people who are financially supporting her?
0: That and almost more like I remember before you talked about like, uh, like her like campaign staff, like her advisors, her people who, uh, who, who help her navigate all the way to the top. Remember, you talked before about uh, Gavin Newsom's campaign guy and her campaign guy? And yeah. what is their role
4: now? Oh, okay, her political consultant is a guy by the name of Ace Smith. And Ace Smith is also the political consultant for Gavin Newsom and before him Jerry Brown and other California Democratic politicians. The problem that she would have if she were to run for president, the problem that she and Gavin Newsom would have if they were to run for president is that they would have to run against one another with essentially the same political operation. Ace certainly couldn't work for both of them. He'd have to pick one over the other, and he also knows all of the secrets, all of the skeletons, all of the deficiencies mm-hmm. uh, of the other candidate. And he would absolutely use that against them if he were representing a, a, an alternate candidate. Um, mm-hmm. Those two yes. would go nuclear on one another. They've been, they've been pretty symbiotic as the careers uh, ascended from local office in San Francisco to the, the main stage. But they've never really had to bump heads before by running directly against one another. If there's an open seat in the White House in in 2028 20, and those two run against one another, it's going to get real nasty, real fast, and I can't wait. <laughs>
0: uh, last question. If Kamala becomes president, let's say something happens to Joe Biden, Kamala has to be VP right now. You have your bullhorn from California. What is your message to America?
4: <laughs> run for the hills
0: john phillips john phillips show k-a-b-c john great to talk to you brother thank you we um i should prepare some some more thoughts on this but i was just thinking as we were talking i was thinking about uh who came after saul and and all the the book of judges and just everyone was worse than the last (laughs) and you live through one of the judges and you're like Man, can't get worse than this. And then you move on to the next one. And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And it can get so much worse than we even have now. But I do think it's true. We get the government we deserve. How sad is that? But what a call for action for all of us to make sure that we deserve better. Mike Slater, The First TV. Spread the word. <laughs>